Hello and welcome to the Bipolar Feminist Podcast. This is your host, Nikita Ramkisun, and today we're talking about abuse against women and girls online. Trigger warning. This episode makes mention of death threats, rape threats, stalking, and other predatory behavior, as well as violence against women, girls, and other gender minorities. Being an outspoken feminist means getting a lot of hate online. I often wake up to DMs from angry men wanting me to die, wishing for me to be raped, and sometimes picture of their penises, along with messages saying things like, all you need is some good dick in your life, you fucking feminazi. I usually ignore the messages because it's a battle I don't want to fight on my own, especially when I know that the men on the other side of the screen are going to neither listen nor respond well. I'd rather not deal with it. It's easy to log on to social media and see just how many women are victims of sexual harassment. Whether in person or online, women everywhere have experienced it in one way or the other. And with all the new ways the internet has opened avenues of communication, online harassment is more prevalent than ever. According to a study by the Pew Research Center, most online abuse takes place on social media. Although men are also subject to online harassment, which includes name-calling, derision, and physical threats, The study found that online, women are more than twice as likely as men to have experienced sexual harassment. In addition, more than half of women aged 18 to 29 report having been sent sexually explicit images without their consent. This number is only growing, and while 70% of women believe online harassment to be a major problem, not many know how to prevent it. Women are often targeted simply because they are women. Attacks are often sexualized or misogynistic and rhetoric tends to focus on their bodies and sexual violence. This is both physically and emotionally damaging, and women are often intimidated into silence, preferring to disengage rather than put themselves at risk, just like I do. But that doesn't solve the problem, and while tackling it seems too much for many women to handle, we can but mitigate harm by ensuring that we keep ourselves safe. It's not an ideal situation, but it's something, which is something for which I'd never like to advocate. But here we are. Online violence is an extension of gender-based violence, the same violence women and girls experience in the real world. The root causes are still the same, discrimination, sexism, and misogyny. Overall, patriarchy, which is then extended and amplified on the internet. While it is important for women to think about the measures they can take, we need to look at it more from what is driving it. It is really perpetrators who are abusing their power. Online perpetrators are hiding behind anonymity and can exploit women and girls everywhere regardless of location. This focus needs to shift to closing loopholes online that make abuse possible, which includes internet platforms having clear community standards, ensuring abusive material isn't published on their sites, maintaining clear protocols for removing and restricting resharing of exploitative materials, and shifting the responsibility from victims to community reporting if abuse occurs. But in a world where women can get banned from a platform such as Facebook for saying men are trash, while men can get away with sending messages threatening rape, it's not looking like social media moderators have their shit together. From reply guys who assume an uncomfortable familiarity with their targets, to being airdropped unsolicited dick pics on their iPhones, and to harrowing threats, navigating existing as a woman on the internet is a minefield that is not taken seriously. Given how intertwined our online and offline lives now are, It's anachronistic to suggest that women simply log off when faced with digital abuse. 
and online abuse can often foreshadow in-person abuse or violence. It's not that it's more acceptable if it's confined simply to threats coming through your social media, to your email, or through your computer screen, but we see cases where that migrates to in-person harassment, abuse, and stalking. This was made painfully clear in 2021 when a man shot and killed five people in Plymouth in the UK just six days before he had been reported to Reddit for sexually harassing a 16-year-old girl. Our online experiences can no longer be differentiated from our offline lives. Our online experiences are part of real life. What's more, there are links between online abuse and offline violence, including the rise in traffic to misogynistic or incel online communities and a reported increase in rapes of women using dating apps. So, on all counts, it's irresponsible and illogical for governments to leave women and girls out of supposed world-leading laws that are meant to make us safer online, such as the UK's Online Safety Bill, which does little to protect women and girls when they fear online attacks may become real. Whether deliberately or not, the current draft of this bill, which is being used as a blueprint in the rest of the world, simply hasn't recognized women and violence against women and girls. There is no mention of the disproportionate impact online abuse has on black women and other marginalized and racialized communities, nor are the specific harms that women face disproportionately online currently named. Women's experiences of violence from harassment to the publishing of private details like where they live or doxing to online stalking and image-based abuse needs to be reflected in the legislation. Online abuse against women is a form of violence against women and must be recognized as such. And of course, it's not just the UK that's failing its women. Subjugation of women's issues on the internet stands out. We are seeing research organizations all over the world talk about the magnitude of online gender-based violence. Statistics from stakeholders worldwide have shown how there's not been enough focus from policymakers in addressing these issues with more attention, being on taxing the online platforms and how to prevent fake news, which is in some cases a way of controlling the narrative. There are no policy issues addressed or support offered. Gender issues in the digital space comes as an afterthought. While other countries are legislating against online harm in a way that centers around users, some research has shown that in Africa, it's more about profit, misinformation, and disinformation. Women and girls all over the world have to think twice about what they say, how they say it, and with whom they interact, as countless forms and manifestations of violence are lurking just around the corner online as they are offline. Arguably, even more so, as the advance of technologies has made it possible for violence against women to evolve into forms that are not restrained by distance, borders, or lack of physical contact. Nowadays, anyone can resort to violence and abuse from the comfort of their home, hiding behind the shield of a screen and an anonymous profile, almost as a rule, suffering no consequence. But women and girls, on the other hand, suffer very real consequence. Online violence has a serious impact on many aspects of our lives, including safety, physical and psychological health, reputation, and dignity. Apart from severe psychological harm and suffering that victims endure, online violence also causes physical, sexual, and economic harm. It silences women, limiting our right to express ourselves freely and without fear, and deters us from digital participation in political, social, and cultural life. Often, it forces us to retreat from the internet and to socially isolate. The harmful effects of online violence against women and girls thus exceed the issue of safety. Ultimately, this violence prevents women and girls from fully enjoying their human rights and hinders the achievement of gender equality. Online violence against women takes many different forms, from harassment and intimidation to stalking, rape and death threats. 
new forms constantly emerge in the digital dimension. And while doxing, trolling, sextortion and revenge porn may be terms that most of us have heard of, but are not sure how to define, studies have shown that over half the women and girls using the internet have experienced these or other forms of violence online. Very often, discrimination and gender-based violence against women is incited and perpetuated by online portals that publish misogynistic, sexist and degrading articles about women. From tabloid to mainstream media, clickbait culture and the lack of ethical standards as well as poor self-regulation in the media, women and girls and other gender minorities, through images and words, are subjugated to violence and discrimination. In many cases, violence in the digital world is an extension of domestic violence committed by an intimate partner. Often, domestic violence serves as a trigger for online attacks and gender-based violence. In many cases, both news about femicide and news about victims reporting rape attracted misogynistic and offensive comments, with particularly concerning victim-blaming and victim-shaming from users who claimed that the victim got what she deserved. Such comments reflect a prevailing attitude towards victims of domestic violence and sexual abuse. This often pushes victims into self-censorship and silence, as they refrain from speaking out about the violence they have suffered due to the concerns about prejudice and damage to their reputation. In many cases, Online violence on social media is triggered by media reporting on domestic violence against women and girls. One investigation showed that media worldwide still tends to sensationalize coverage of gender-based violence and point the finger of blame at the victim. What she was wearing, what she had to drink, who she was with, how late was she out, where did she go? According to research by female journalists against violence, many articles that focus on domestic violence use sensationalistic or stereotypical terminology when describing a victim. In some cases, in Eastern Europe, the identity of the victim is revealed in the media. It often happens that, following this revelation, victims are targeted on social media. While the right to hold and express opinions applies to offensive and unfavorable ideas as well, this right is not unlimited. Incitement to violence, hostility or discrimination is not protected speech and cannot be justified under this right. Yet people try to get away with it. Words and other forms of expression can and do lead to physical assault on those against whom the speech is directed. And while alarms would go off if this happened in the real world, when it comes to violence in the digital environment, many, in some cases, including law enforcement authorities, regard virtual things as not real and something that cannot inflict real harm. This seems to be the prevailing attitude even when threats of physical violence and assault are made. However, online violence is not confined by the screen. In fact, in many cases, online violence finds its way to the real world and was demonstrated by a case in Serbia where, before physically assaulting a woman employee at a local gym, a man made threats online to her and even announced his plan to assault her. Research has shown a correlation between online violence and human trafficking too, leading to increased cyber-trafficking of women. In particular, during the pandemic, more than 40% of women victims of human trafficking have also been subjected to some form of online abuse, according to a report by an NGO in the Balkans, looking at the correlation between the two. Online gender-based violence against women is often perpetrated through non-consensual accessing, manipulation and sharing of private information and content, including explicit content and photoshopped photos and videos that are sexualized or created with the intent to humiliate and stigmatize women. Women and girls who are subject to intersecting forms of discrimination on other grounds, apart from gender, are particularly vulnerable to online violence. Women of color and women who belong to religious or ethnic minorities are often targeted. For these women, gender-based violence in the digital world is intertwined with xenophobic, racist, misogynistic, sexist comments and hate speech. 
The toll is particularly high for groups that have already experienced discrimination in society and are pressured on almost every societal level, in particular refugees, immigrants and the LGBTQIA community. Despite legal obligations, however, many countries have poor legal frameworks that do not adequately treat and sanction online violence and its perpetrators, namely domestic laws that do not regulate online gender-based violence. Considering the scale of this problem and its detrimental effects on human rights, equality and participation of women in society, it is essential for countries to adopt specific laws or adapt existing laws to combat and prevent gender-based violence online and its contemporary forms, bearing in mind its continuing evolvement. Here, particularly relevant, are violence against women and gender equality domestic legal frameworks, including family laws and laws on domestic violence and applicable criminal codes. Evidently, the fight to end violence against women is far from over. We need to remodel and reevaluate systems which foster sexism and throw our support behind campaign groups that are pushing for change. We cannot rely on our governments or law enforcement. So far, Many governments' response to violence against women and girls have been superficial measures that do nothing to address the root cause of this abuse, which is men's attitude and behaviours. We need to see investment into work that can challenge cultural attitudes, denormalize and minimize violence against women and girls, as well as investment in support for services for survivors, which are chronically underfunded. All of us, particularly men and boys, need to be part of the solution by challenging and holding each other accountable for unacceptable views and behaviour towards women and girls. Thank you for listening. A big thank you to my patrons for making this podcast possible. Should you wish to support my work, please subscribe to The Bipolar Feminist on Patreon or donate directly to Nikki Starfish on Coffee. See you next week where I will be interviewing Alyssa Frazier from the world's first online sexual assault reporting tool called She's a Crowd.